This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 491. Thanks for listening once again. Great to have your company. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, how the Russian-Ukraine conflict will impact the already weakened semiconductor industry. We'll take a look at the smartphones announced at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and nearly half of all Australians use up all of their mobile data each month. In the Tech Guide reviews, we'll check out the LG NanoCell Mini LED 4K TV. Panasonic has unveiled the Lumix GH6 camera, and we'll also run our eye over the Asus VivoBook OLED laptop range. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. I'm sure you've all been watching with horror the the dramas that are going on in the Ukraine after the Russian invasion. There's some pretty horrific images on the TV of death and destruction, and it's uh, just a heart-wrenching thing to look at. These, these uh, Ukrainians are leaving the country, and Russians are steaming through, and it's, it's very difficult, very difficult to watch. It's a really tense situation now we have uh, on a global level. Uh, Unfortunately, the effects go deeper into into industry and the already weakened semiconductor industry, which we've already seen pretty pretty radical shortages of chips and things like that, uh, is going to be affected now. It's going to be made even worse, as a matter of fact, because of this conflict. Now, these are neighbouring countries and they actually supply key raw materials in the semiconductor industry. And we're talking uh, this conflict could potentially set it back even further. The supply shortage should, should could be as bad, uh, worse than ever before. Just as it was starting to show some signs of recovery, it's now looking like the shortage is going to be worse than ever before. And people in the industry saying it may not get back to normal levels until 2024. That's two years away. So this obviously massive impact on a number of industries here. Naturally, electronics companies, particularly car manufacturers, are doing it tough as well. But you think about the number, the sheer number of products that has a that has a chip inside them. That's nearly everything. And so if if you if you're wondering why the product that you've ordered, the car you might have been looking at, uh, the what whatever appliance you're looking at is either going to be delayed or going to cost more because of the the cost of production, whether it's have to had to be had to be shifted to another location. So, uh, what each country 
the parts they play in the industry, we'll start with Ukraine. They supply most of the world's semiconductor-grade neon gas, and that's used in the chip manufacturing process. So without that gas, it's very hard to produce it in those conditions. Now, what happened last? the last time there was a drama between Russia and the Ukraine was back in 2014. And at the time, the price of neon went up by more than 600% in just a matter of a few days. And at the time, it turned the industry on its head. It really was a disruptive uh, period. So what, what they've manufacturers have tried to source neon from other countries, but the Ukraine still is the main supplier. Now, over in Russia, they are the major supplier of palladium, which is a metal used in many memory and sensor chips. So Russia accounts for nearly half of the global palladium supply. So if it's the, the, the situation is if... The cost of the of the metal is going to go up. The price of metal has gone up significantly, actually, in recent months because this was this has been bubbling for a while. And what's going to happen? The cost of semiconductors is going to just go through the roof. So increased production costs, higher prices at retail, it really has it going to have a flow on effect. There's also talk of of, uh, of of sanctions, economic sanctions, which could be the the uh, the industry turning their back on on Russia. Now, what happened during the COVID pandemic? because a lot of the factories were in China and Taiwan. That was the factories were closed down. Workers weren't able to run the factory. That's what led to this delay. But the supply chain, which is where these different parts and different processes are are, are sourced from, uh, the neon gas from the Ukraine and palladium from Russia, if you can't get those those components, that, that supply, then you can't make the chip in China or anywhere. So you're going to have to. There's going to be a lot of really some some deep thinking going on on where they're going to now source these materials needed to get on with it because we've already identified that Ukraine and Russia play huge parts in the whole industry. Um, the the other issue is of course the delay. Now the, the 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 fair enough trying to source the supply, but now by the time you get to get the supply and the production delivery. You're talking a really long time. Back in December, delivery time was for for chips for semiconductors was 25.8 weeks, according to the Susquehanna Financial Group. They had an estimate on the on the delay. That's a six. That's six months. 25. Let's call it 26 weeks. Six months. Now with this, with what's going, the events in Ukraine with the Russian invasion, we're facing probably two to three times that delay unfortunately. So if you're wondering why that PS5 or the, the, the car that you've ordered, if, you, if you're wondering why they're telling you, uh, you want, they won't have it in, within 12 months, well, this is, this is the reason. This is why. It, it, it's, already, it's made a situation that was already dire even worse because uh, the, the whole, the whole, everyone relies on this supply to come from different parts of the world. And when there's a war in those countries, it really uh, puts, puts a delay on everything. So I think that people are fighting to stay alive, let alone to produce material to make chips uh, to run the industry. So I think we're going to keep our eye on this situation. Unfortunately, it is, uh, it, it's a terrible situation no matter what it, uh, industries it affects. But the fact that it is going to have a deep economic impact globally, it just, just makes this, uh, just you, you scratch your head even further why, why they, Russia decided to do what they did anyway. I don't want to get too political here, but the, 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 
what is undeniable is the effect it's going to have on the semiconductor industry, which is uh, really going to set it back worse than ever before. You can read more about that story at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, the Mobile World Congress is just about to kick off in Barcelona. I would normally be there. I normally go every year, but uh, this year, again, I I was uh, supposed to be hosted by a company. They decided to pull out about five or six weeks ago. They decided uh, about a month ago, actually, that they were not attending. I I was booked, locked and loaded. But the company decided uh, we're not going to host any journalists over there now, so we're going to have to cover it remotely. It was at the time when the Omicron variant was kind of uh, was uh, uh, bubbling along. Uh, I'd already been to Vegas. I was, in fact, I think I was in Las Vegas when they decided when they had their doubts. So I was already in the US, and I said, "Look, I'm insured, ready to go, but uh, and I'm willing to take the chance of travelling there." Uh, and they said, "Well, look, we, we've decided against it." I, I could have gone. I, I I could have booked my own my own travel and and done all that myself. But I thought, well. The Samsung had already had their launch of the S22, so they're, they're not really going to have a massive presence there. Uh, so I just thought, you know what, it uh, it might be worth just to give this one a miss, cover it remotely and get back there in 2023. It's been two years now since I've been, three years now since the last MWC. The last time I was there was in 2019. I was booked to go in 2020. In fact, I was in the US at the Samsung S20 launch, when it was decided that MWC 2020 was cancelled. So 2020, 2021 uh, was virtual. 2022, they're back, I think, uh, similar to what CES, the, the show is going to be kind of at uh, not, not full capacity, but there are some companies that are there. And two of the companies that have used MWC as their launch platform, is, the, the companies are Oppo and TCL two companies that are, that are making kind of uh, releasing phones at sort of different ends of the of the market. Let's start off with Oppo. Oppo has uh, unveiled the Find X5 Pro. Now they've got the Find X5 series as a number in the range, but I'm going to focus on the Pro here. This is their flagship device. Has a really eye-catching design as well. This curved body that the company says was inspired by the curves a curved body of a spacecraft. So I don't know how many spacecraft they've seen, but uh, the the back of the device looks pretty cool. It's uh, made of ultra-hard true ceramic that apparently takes 160 hours to create. So uh, you can appreciate the work that went into it. It does look high quality, that's for sure. The Find X5 Pro has a 6.7-inch curved AMOLED display, can display more than a billion colours as well, has the full P3 colour gamut, and the, the, the phone also, the phone screen has this new color calibration feature. So that means it can handle, it can still create accurate color no matter what sort of light, uh, lighting conditions you are uh, experiencing. So you, you might be, uh, say, in a, in a, inside in, in, in under normal lighting and the screen will, cal- will calibrate to those conditions to give you accurate color representation. And if you maybe happen to step out into into the sun, that it's also going to um, going to calibrate itself for those conditions as well. I think the Samsung and the S twenty two they had a similar feature with their display as well. The device is powered by the Snapdragon eight Gen one processor, has a five thousand milliamp hour battery. Uh, that that's an eleven percent improvement. They reckon the capacity over the Find X three Pro. 
It also supports the 80-watt fast charging, 30-watt wireless fast charging as well, so it really gets you back to 100% as uh, faster than ever before. The phone has an IP68 rating, which means it's splash, water, and dust-resistant, but it's the camera that's going to get people talking here. That That's what's really going to get your attention. The Find X5 Pro has the what they're calling a world-first imaging experience, which means it's got a dedicated imaging neural processing unit developed in-house by Oppo. It's the Mari Silicon X, they call it. So this is a chip, a neural processing chip that can help improve your images but also addresses a smartphone's biggest weakness and that's nighttime photography and nighttime recording. Very similar theme to what Samsung presented with the Galaxy S22. Uh, in Oppo's case, they say the chip uses AI computing, which offers a four-time improvement in the what, the perceived night video resolution. So you imagine you can shoot in near total darkness uh, with less grain but superior colour reproduction, even when you're shooting at 4K. Uh, and images, of course, uh, also uh, take advantage of that technology as well and uh, and pump a lot more light in there. The wide and ultra-wide angle cameras uh, include Sony's, Sony's 50 megapixel IMX766 flagship sensors. So... Under the hood, you've got some pretty decent credentials there to take some good photos. It's, uh, the wide-angle camera also has a five-axis optical image stabilisation system as well. So takes out the shake and sharpens up those videos for you as well. And they haven't forgotten the selfies. It's a 32-megapixel front-facing camera that does also take advantage of that Mari Silicon X neural processing unit as well. So your selfies are going to look better than ever. Oppo has uh, also announced an interesting partnership with Hasselblad. This is an imaging brand, but it's not to do with the lenses. It's to do with the software. So they're going to give you, so to bring out the best in your videos and your photos, there will be some Hasselblad software that you can use to edit your photographs that will be no doubt preloaded on the device. No word yet on pricing and availability. It's going to be, well, obviously, in the in the next few weeks, we'll know that pricing and also the launch date as well. But I'm, I'm expecting this will be like a $1,500 phone, $1,400 phone. It is aimed at that flagship level. Oppo really uh, are taking on Apple and Samsung in that area. So uh, we're, we're keen to see what price they can bring this in at to uh, for Australian customers. The other, the other launch was from TCL. TCL have launched five new devices in their 30 series smartphone range. They've got the TCL 35G, the TCL 30 Plus, TCL 30, TCL 30 SE, and the TCL 30E. And uh, people might wonder, why the, why the hell are they going to have so many different phones? Well, I think what they want to do is give people more options at affordable price points. So you're going to see these phones are going to be probably $50, $100 apart in terms of pricing. So they've got, they really want to own that sort of entry to mid-tier level to give customers all these options. And what they've got in common across the board is really nice design. TCL is a, a display company, so they, they make TV, so their displays are excellent. And they also obviously going to have a solid camera as well, 50 megapixel camera system across the range and uh, with, with uh, processing that optimises images, portraits, macro shots. Uh, they do have a few new camera features. called uh, One's called Steady Snap which kind of can pause time and capture uh, if your subject might be moving. It'll, it can actually 
capture even better. Face tracking as well, so you can help take the better better portrait shot. Auto capture too will will make it easy to get more of your of your friends or your surroundings in a wide angle selfie. And there's all these other modes that can detect what your what your camera's pointed at, including food and pets and portraits, landscapes. Uh, it does a good job with that. Uh, it is also, of course, using its Next Vision screens, so really sharp and bright displays. Starts off with the 6.5 2-inch mini-notch displays on the 30SE and the 30E, and uh, then it goes up to the 6.7-inch full HD AMOLED screens on the TCL 30 5G, the TCL 30 Plus, and the TCL 30. So you get really nice, rich natural colours, nice deep black cinematic viewing, and uh, on on the design side too, the the thirty, the upper thirty series models are seven point seven four millimeters, so really nice thin design. Weigh just one hundred and forty grams as well. Good news too is that all five of the TCL devices have a five thousand milliamp hour battery which is uh, good news. That'll keep your power through the day. And also the models with 5G connectivity will also find that connecting, streaming, downloading, video calling is a lot better, of course, on 5G. They also uh, support 18-watt fast charging. So you get back to uh, get, a, get a full battery faster than ever. They're also, uh, they also support AI smart charging. This is important too because what the phone does it can learn your sleep patterns based on your daily charging routine so it knows when to to be to charge at full speed and what this does it reduces the deterioration of the battery like the battery health over time can deteriorate but if if you have these sorts of this sort of technology in place it can extend the life of the battery even further so that's good news that they're doing that now pricing uh, no, they haven't announced Australian pricing, but they have given as a guide the Euro pricing. So within Euro, so let's go through it. The TCL 35G has been down for, uh, they've said it's going to be 249 euros, which is about 399 Australian dollars. The TCL 30 plus is 199 euros, which is about 349 Australian dollars. The TCL 30, 179 euros, that's going to be around 299 Australian. The TCL 30 SE is 149 euros, so that you can expect to pay about 249 for that. And the TCL 30E at 139 euros is going to be about 229 when you do the direct uh, conversion. But I wouldn't be surprised if they put that one under 200 bucks. I think the starting off at a phone under 200 would be a great start there. Now, as I said, their estimated prices based on the conversion version rate so whether tcl want to make them even cheaper we'll we'll wait and see we'll know that in the coming weeks if you want to read more about the oppo the find x5 pro and the tcl 30 series smartphone range you can check them out at techguide.com.au now while we're on the subject of phones Let's talk about some research done by comparison site Finder that says nearly half of all Australians are almost maxing out their mobile data. How does that work? And we're not talking about just small plans here. On average, would you believe the average mobile plan today includes 60 gigabytes of included data and we're still burning through nearly all of it. That's a cumulative total of 536 terabytes of mobile data per month. 
Now, let's dig deeper into the stats here. One in six people completely exhaust their mobile data. That's 16%. 30% don't use all of it, but nearly most of it. And that, so that, that total, 16 plus 30, that's 46% of Australians nearly hitting their limit. But get this, 23% of Australians don't know how much data is on their plan. So that's nearly a quarter of people who are just happily streaming and downloading and doing doing what they do without knowing the amount of data they can use. So uh, no wonder we're either going over or getting close to it. Now, we've we've become, all of us, pretty rely pretty heavily on our smartphones. We use it to stay connected. Think of all the things you do with your phone every day. So you're making and receiving calls, text messages, sharing content, creating content, consuming content, so social media, and streaming content as well. So we're, uh, we're maybe watching Netflix, Stan, whatever streaming services on the go. You might be on the train or wherever you might be commuting. You might have some time sitting in the park or under a tree and you might want to watch a show. This is what our phones are for. So not only keep us in touch, but also they're our entertainment device, our productivity device, our connectivity device. So no wonder we rely pretty heavily on these devices. Uh, In June 2020, we downloaded an average of 9.8 million terabytes. So this time around, uh, that that, that figure is an extra 1.6 million terabytes compared to the previous year. So we're using 16% more data in one year. Now, you've got to remember the year we've had, though. June 2021 was right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And we were having to use our devices to, we couldn't, a lot of us were locked down. We couldn't go interstate. We couldn't travel. So the only way we could stay in touch is on our devices, phones, FaceTime, Skype. Uh, We were working from home. So we were potentially using our phone's data to stay connected in many cases. And the extra time we had, we couldn't go anywhere. The first thing we'd grab is our smartphone. And uh, no wonder our devices, our data is uh, is being used up so quickly. Australian mobile plans have, I I really found that surprising, 60 gig of data and 32% of people are on unlimited data plans. And that means they've got a, not a set, I think there's a set amount that they can use at, at the top speeds, but if they go over a set amount, they can still use data, but it's going to be at a lowered, at a throttled, at a slower speed. Uh, there are some, I think, that have unlimited at, at, at any speed, but that's the very, very top of the line there that costs you hundreds of dollars per month. Uh, I, I found it quite interesting that 23% didn't even know how much data they had. Are, are you one of those people? Do you know how much data is on your mobile plan? Check now. If you don't, I'd, that's my recommendation. But what do you do to reduce your use of mobile data if you want to you want to stay within your limit because if you go over your limit, you're going to be, be charged money or you're going to be throttled back to a much slower speed. So here are some tips for you to perhaps lean a little bit less on your mobile data. Number one, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is everywhere. Maybe if you're in a shopping centre or in the office, wherever you happen to be, if you've got a free Wi-Fi connection, uh, you can you can use that if you need to do uh, if you need to uh, do your do your surfing and and streaming, and if you're at home, hook up your phone to your home Wi-Fi. Of course, if you've got unlimited data, then Bob's your uncle. You're not going to be using mobile data. 
The other thing you can do too is disable background data. I, th- I think a lot of people are unaware that a lot of apps are running in the background by default and uh, get receiving notifications, refreshing feeds without you opening them. That adds up to a lot of data. So I reckon that's a big one if you're, you are getting close to your limit there. So you can disable the automatic back the background uh, refresh in the settings on your device. The other thing you could do as well is if you're streaming video content, you can choose to take a step down in quality. So if you're streaming in HD, for example, you might decide, you know what, I can stream in SD, still looks pretty good. And that is, you you could save, uh, if if you do a lot of it, of course, you can save a lot of data per month by specifying that you're happy to watch it in SD rather than at the full resolution. More resolution means more data. So the lower the resolution, you're probably looking at less than you know, half of, a, of what you'd normally use in full HD. And of course, monitor your usage. If, you're, if your, telco, your telco has an app that allows you to see how much data you're using, if you're getting close to your limit, it'll, it'll tell you uh, pretty plain uh, uh, in that app. So Telstra, Optus, Vodafone all have it, as do the other mobile virtual network operators as well, like Boost Mobile, all those other companies let you do that also. We don't want you running out of data. What do you do without data? The worst thing with no data would be no power. So if you at least your battery's still going, you can uh, say listen to music that's on your device already. That's another idea as well. Maybe download music that you want to hear to your device, and then if you head out, you're not streaming that 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 content. You're it's already on your phone. Uh, you know, just a couple of tips and tricks there for you. We like to help you here at the Tech Guide Podcast. We don't want you running out of mobile data. If you want to take a closer look at those stats, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. We are looking at the LG NanoCell Mini LED 4K Smart TV. In fact, you can win this television that we're talking about now. We just launched a competition uh, on Tech Guide. So head to the Tech Guide website and click on Competition in the menu bar. Or if you're following us on Tech Guide on Facebook, there is the link also through our, our post on Facebook. So uh, if you want to go into the running to win that, click on the competition link on Tech Guide, enter your details, and it might be you might be getting a phone call from me saying you've won it. Well, let's talk about it. If you are keen to enter the competition, you probably know what it's all about. You uh, The LG NanoCell Mini LED. Now, we know LG for their OLED TVs, but this new technology, the NanoCell Mini LED, is 
pretty it's pretty impressive. Uh, amazing black levels, really great picture quality, an easy to navigate operating system too, which I really like. And it uses quantum dot technology. That that's the LG's nano cell technology. Quantum dot is similar to what Samsung and Hisense use. Uh, Samsung call theirs the QLED. Hisense call theirs the ULED. And with uh, LG, they call it NanoCell. So similar technology that uses the quantum dot technology. Uh, but the difference here is that it takes it a step further because it uses mini LED backlighting. So what that does, the, the far smaller LED backlights allow easier light and lightening and darkening of the screen, and that produces better contrast and thereby better color reproduction as well. So the LEDs are so small, it creates more zones that the TV can lighten and darken to give you better picture quality, better contrast. So even... When there's like a bright object next to a black object, you know that the mini LEDs can can lighten and darken to suit more smaller areas, so it gives it more control. Now, what really surprised me was the black levels on the TV. We all know OLED black levels are sort of inimitable. They're really hard to match them. But I've got to say, the NanoCell wasn't far behind. The I was really surprised with the, the deep black levels. There are some screenshots on my story on Tech Guide. There's a snapshot I took of the 4K uh, watching Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais show. And I just wanted to get an example of a, a scene where there was a really a, a black, like he's, Ricky Gervais is wearing a black, a black uh, jumper underneath a jacket. And you look really closely at that image and you see the black is so black that there's, there's, it's really well produced. But then right next to the black is his skin color. So his skin and his jacket. And you look quite closely. And so there's no real, uh, uh, there's no like afterglow from the, from the skin to the black. So it's really clearly defined colors. That's courtesy of both the quantum dot technology, the nanocell, but also the mini LED backlight that can offer that greater clarity and precision. So uh, it's a great mix where you've got great contrast, great color, the mini LED backlight as well. They've also got uh, they've got the Dolby Vision IQ too. So that's the high dynamic range on 4K. So you've got the color, the contrast and brightness with Dolby Vision. It really does pop. It also has the HDR10 Pro. So it, the compatible content can be displayed uh, on, on the TV as well. And what I like about this TV is, it, it's a, it appeals to everyone because it can handle whatever you want to do on it. So obviously, picture quality to watch 4K content, tick. It can do that. Brilliantly done. If you're a sports fan, you can watch in great quality thanks to the 200 hertz refresh rate. So it really smooths out the picture. So those fast-moving players and objects and whatever's happening on the screen, even when watching action movies, they benefit too from having a high refresh rate. It does smooth out the picture for you. So uh, if you're a movie fan, another big tick. If you're a gamer playing games on this thing, PlayStation, PC games, you can, through the game optimizer, that has its own control panel so you can be have this amazing experience. It's more likely you're going to connect a console rather than a PC to this thing, but um, oh, the, the, the nanocell technology really does come into play here. And that game optimizer really does give you a smoother gameplay, so less stuttering, less lagging. It's got variable refresh rate as well to match the game you're playing. So another tick. 
Now, if you're a movie connoisseur, now I know there's a lot of the like really traditionalists that, that love a movie uh, in a, in how it was meant to be viewed. And uh, LG have for a couple of years now had the filmmaker mode. This is a feature that turns off the motion smoothing to present the film as it was meant to be cinematically enjoyed. So just it has all the the flaws of film, 24 frames per second, uh, but that's just that's how it was filmed and that's how it looks. So what what I liken it to is that the motion smoothing is kind of like Photoshop but for video. So you I, I know I know many people may not notice it but there are scenes in movies where high movement is happening and the motion smoothing really tends to like tidy up. There's no artifacts and no nothing going on that looks out of order. So it does really sort of tidy things up and smooth it out. A lot of people wouldn't even know it's on, but there are some. They're real connoisseurs that want to see the movie as it would have been played in a cinema. So there's that filmmaker mode to choose from as well. Now, I think what uh, what powers of the TV, of course, is the Alpha 7 AI Gen 4 processor. And what that does, it can actually analyze and optimize content as it's seeing it. So both video and audio, it optimizes what you're looking at. In fact, it uses this deep learning algorithm and that, that taps into a visual database to ensure that objects are rendered accurately. So it says, okay, that's a tree. Yep, that's what it looks like in my database. That's how it should look. So it really does, uh, does uh, that in real time. On the audio side too, you're looking at Dolby Atmos, or you're listening to Dolby Atmos, I should say, which gives you that atmospheric feel. Now, it's good. It's not going to beat a soundbar. It does. It is going to give you a, a, a decent audio performance, but having a soundbar or a system, a, a home theater system, is really going to take it to the next level. But uh, that that the onboard sound wasn't too bad. One audio feature we did like was the auto volume leveling. Now, I get a lot of people saying I can't I can't hear what they're saying. They don't uh, they can't hear the voices coming out of uh, from the center of the TV. That's sort of where they're supposed to come from, a center channel. And what they've got here with the auto volume leveling, it makes the voices clearer. So it actually that the voices that the the channel that the voices are coming from, the audio channel, is actually more consistent in volume to the other channel. So you, your voices aren't going to be drowned out by other loud sounds and other effects that are happening at the same time. Which is a real, I think a, a lot of people are really liking that feature because they can hear that they can hear people talking clearer. Now the TV is also, of course, a smart TV. has the Web OS 6 operating system on board. So you've got a shortcut to Netflix, Stan, Disney+, Prime Video, Foxtel, Apple TV+, KO, Binge, many more. The remote also has shortcuts to Netflix and Prime Video and Disney+, which is pretty cool. It also has AirPlay on board. So if you've got an iPhone, an iPad, or a Mac, you can instantly mirror, you can beam to the TV what's on your iPhone or Apple device. And uh, the home dashboard too. I think a lot of people they really under they they a they might not know it's there, but the home dashboard. If you've got a lot of smart products in your house, this LG TV has this home dashboard. So all the devices that are connected on the same network as your TV, you can actually see them on this home dashboard. So if you've got lights and cameras and everything like that, you can control lights and other things, monitor them, monitor them through this home dashboard, which is part of your TV. Think of it like the mission control of your house could be the home dashboard on this LG TV. Uh, and that, as I said, that's for lights, security cameras, speakers, other devices. You see them at a glance, see what's connected, and you can have some control over them as well.
The uh, Magic Remote uh, still has the little movable pointer on the screen. That's pretty cool. Uh, has also a, uh, the dedicated buttons I mentioned for Netflix and Prime Video, Disney+. Plus. There's also a dedicated Movies button. So if you don't want to movies, if you want to see that, boom, hit that button. It'll take you to all the movie services. It'll suggest movies as well based on what you've seen. Now, the LG NanoCell TV 65-inch costs just under 4000 bucks, 3976 75 inches just under 5000 which is 4976 and the 86-inch, hello, 6176 And these are recommended retail prices on the LG website, so I'm certain you'll get a better deal in store. Uh, so if you are looking for a TV, definitely worth worth looking at. The LG QNED91 is the model number. NanoCell Mini LED 4K TV. But you know what? Enter our competition. You might win one. 65-inch uh, NanoCell TV we're giving away. So hit the competition uh, button on the main menu bar of the Tech Guide site. So the black menu bar on the very right-hand side. Click on competition, and it'll take you to the comp. It'll open up the form, name, address, phone number, answer to our question it's a game of skill and you'll be able to enter to win the 65 inch lg nano cell mini led tv the competition runs until march the 10th so please take part i would love to give you an lg 65 inch nano cell tv which i rate very highly check me out my verdict at techguide.com.au Panasonic has just launched its next-gen Lumix GH6 mirrorless camera. Now, if you're a video pro, video enthusiast, I'm pretty sure you would have been waiting, hanging out for this one. This new model, which has been a little while coming, uh, is a digital mirrorless camera, 25.2 megapixel live MOS sensor. So you get that really improved dynamic range performance. It has a rugged magnesium alloy die-cast frame. So it's meant to be, look, you're meant to take this out in the field. It's also splash and dust resistant, freeze resistant too. Uh, can handle up to minus 10 degrees Celsius, which is pretty important. Recording buttons too. I like this. Recording buttons now on the f- top and on the front. I love the front one because there'd be often times where people are maybe filming themselves, so it's easy just to access it. The other thing too is a lot of people like to put cages on their cameras to screw on to other things and other little, you have other accessories you can bolt on. And sometimes the the cages can make, can limit your access to some of the controls, not all of them, but that just gives you another option as well. And But I do love the fact that if you want to film yourself, just the buttons on the front, it does light up. There's an indicator light, really clear indicator light now that you can tell you when you're recording you don't want to mess that up but now you can do that from the top and from the front the uh the next gen venus engine is also uh really does all the heavy lifting when it comes to with the advanced image processing sort of the computational photography and also gives you new video codec options and new frame rates which is music to your ears if you're a professional or prosume prosumer videographer it can really stream streamline your workflow too because the mirrorless cameras uh they couldn't up until now or the lumix couldn't anyway they can now shoot Apple ProRes 422HQ 5.7K up to 30 frames per second. 
So that's pretty cool being able to do that. That's internal recording. I think if you want to monitor that recording, you can only monitor it up to 4K. So you get an idea what it's going to be. But it does save time in post-production. So what would happen is that transcoding media to ProRes uh, would often have to be what you need to do if you're shooting with a mirrorless camera. The GH6 also uh, delivers the higher frame rates with 4K, uh, 120p in 10-bit 420, which is pretty cool. Uh, also, what this is another great feature, which I really like. The GH6 can now give you unlimited recording. Some cameras max out at 30 minutes. They just shut down. Uh, but if you have got room on the card and room in the battery, it can now have unlimited recording thanks to this new heat management technology as well. So and that's even if you're recording 4K, 60p, 10-bit, uh, which is uh, an unlimited recording. What's going to happen too, there's dual memory cards. So it does have the, the CF Express card and the SD card, but you will also be able to record directly to a, a an SSD drive through the USB-C port, which is going to really open things up because you get a SSD drive, a, a one terabyte, two terabyte drive, and Bob's your uncle, unlimited recording, hello, you can record even more than, rather than just be limited to what you, the capacity of your memory card, which is another cool feature. I like that. Big tick there. It has a three-inch touch LCD rear monitor, which uh, looks it goes edge to edge. It's a beautiful back screen there, and it also has the three thousand six hundred eighty dot OLED live viewfinder, the LVF, and that offers a similar magnification. It gives you a thirty-five millimeter equivalent view out of the live viewfinder. So uh, exciting news there as well. It's got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on board as well, so easy sharing of your pictures and videos. So if you want to say you've, you've shot something, you want to share it to your phone so you can share it on social media, you can do that. And uh, you can also, through the app, you can also use your phone as a remote control and frame your images and stuff, or your videos. Also a good feature. Now, the Lumix GH6 is due out late late March or, or early April is what they're saying. Now, body only, $3,699, which I think is pretty good deal. That, that's really reasonable price considering what you're getting. Uh, they do also have kits. So they've got the kit with a 12 to 60 millimeter lens is $4,799. They've got a kit with a 12 to 35 Lumix G lens, $4,799. They've also got a kit with a 12 to 60 millimeter Lumix G lens, $3,000. 999 bucks. I reckon that's a bloody good deal with a lens under 4K for the GH6 with a 12 to 60 Lumix G lens. I'm looking forward to getting this in my hot little hands. The Lumix GH6, if you want to check it out for yourself, it looks a beauty. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Next up, we are talking about the ASUS VivoBook Pro LED laptop range. I've got to say, OLED's beautiful. On a, on a TV, it's beautiful. Anywhere OLED is beautiful. On a laptop, it's beautiful. And ASUS have got their VivoBook range with OLED. And I've got to say, it looks amazing. And the, the VivoBook range, they were launched a few weeks back, but I, I had a hold of about three of them. I, I sort of took, took a look at them and... Boy, they are so sharp and vivid, just these vivid screens. And the, these laptops are aimed at the creators. So if you're a – we're all creators of, of some kind. We're either a pro, prosumer, amateur. We're creating something all the time, whether it's a social media post or a feature film. We're all creators at heart. 
And these laptops really can showcase and, and empower uh, all kinds of customers like that to help with their creativity. The three we looked at was the Vivo Pro 16X OLED. That's the model is M7600. The Vivo Book Pro OLED, which is the M3500. And the Vivo Book Pro 15 OLED, which is the model K3500. Starting off with a 16X, so this starts from 2899 bucks. This has got a 16-inch nano-edge 4K display. It's the world's first 16-inch 4K OLED screen on a laptop. Incredible. 3840 by 2400 4K UHD resolution. 100% DCI-P3 color gamut. It's so sharp, you'll need to carry Band-Aids around with you because it is amazing. Quality and sharpness is terrific. Now, if you're a creator, you want your creativity, you want, you want color colors to be accurate. So if you're, you, you want your creation to be based in realism. So you want that to look accurate for whatever you happen to be creating. So really rich, bright display would, I reckon, creators are thinking, how good is my creation going to look on this screen? It has a 16 by 10 aspect ratio. So it's a bit, it's not as wide. It's a bit more square than wide. So that gives you room to move if you're editing, creating, drawing, whatever you want to do on the screen, it does really give you plenty of room to move. You don't want to feel fenced in if you're a creator. That's not what this screen does. It really gives you room to move. Powered by the AMD Ryzen 9 5900 HX mobile processor. So it really does deliver in the on the performance side. Also is running Windows 11 and can handle whatever you throw at it. It's got the ice cool plus thermal control. So if you're really pushing it to the limit, it can. Uh, it's not going to overheat on you. It's going to really handle the, all that. All of that has a full size, of course, backlit keyboard. Really, really easy to type on too. Uh, the trackpad has a really cool feature that I like too, called the dial pad. So what you do if you swipe in from the top right hand corner of the touchpad, you will see this little dial appear on the in the top left hand corner of the trackpad. And what that does, that offers really precise controls if you're using Photoshop, After Effects, Premiere Pro, Lightroom. So you can use that dial to really get in there and have precise control over what you're editing, what you're doing. Uh, Connectivity-wise, lots of ports too. Three USB-A ports, two USB-C ports, HDMI port, micro SD card slot, and a headphone jack. Wi-Fi 6, Bluetooth on board, of course, to stay connected. And it does have a 96 uh, watt-hour high-capacity battery, so easily got us through a whole day, which is pretty cool. Now, moving on to the 15-inch OLED books, the the Asus Vivo book, they look the same. The M3500 and the K3500, basically very similar in terms of uh, design, slightly different in terms of processes. So we'll start off with the with the uh, the M the K thirty five hundred, that is a well. That's a, the M thirty five hundred. We'll start off is is pretty pretty much similar to the K thirty five hundred in terms of specs, screen size, all of that. Very similar. Fifteen point six inch full HD OLED screen on both. Four. It's not four K. It's full HD, but still really sharp and really bright. Uh, still a lot of room to move if you're browsing the web, editing video, whatever you need to do. Has a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, so slightly wider. 84% screen to body ratio. Uh, thin bezels as well. It is also uh, has a high color gamut. 70% less harmful blue light. I think that's a good feature. So you're not getting, it's not hammering you with blue light, making you tired and, and, and really putting a strain on your eyes. Uh, the 
The M35 also has two models. There's an NVIDIA GeForce model, and the QA model has the AMD Radeon graphics card as well. Now, it's up to 16 gig of RAM, 512 gig of SSD drive on board, and uh, has one-touch login, weighs 1.65 kilo, so easy to fit into a backpack, and uh, the iSchool uh, Plus technology also comes into play. has Harman Kardon certified speakers as well. So uh, a 20, 27% larger touchpad too, so it gives you easier to navigate. Now, the K3500 is, like I said, identical to the M3500, but it does have the Intel processor. So AMD on the other. The K35 has the Intel processor. So what's the difference? I, I, that's a question I get asked. What's the difference? Intel is, is Intel better than AMD? Well, it really depends on what you're doing. For generic tasks, so if, if you're looking, generic tasks, not much difference at all. But if you're going to do something a bit more involved in terms of like handling multi-threaded tasks, like video editing, heavy multitasking, then the AMD might slightly be, be slightly better for your needs. If you're focused more on individual tasks like rendering, 3D animation, Photoshop editing, then the Intel version might be the better choice. So AMD, multi-threaded, heavy multitasking, AMD, but if you're into the individual rendering, animation, Photoshop, then Intel might be the better choice for you there. Check them out. The, uh, the ASUS VivoBook Pro OLED laptop range. They are absolutely beautiful. The screens are amazing. Check them out, techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, if you're an online gamer, you want the best performance while still helping to maintain your computer's security, and that's exactly what Norton 360 for Gamers offers. The patented Game Optimizer technology can help maximize gaming performance while still helping to maintain the level of security you've come to expect from Norton LifeLock. Game Optimizer can free your PC from power-hungry programs running in the background that eat up your system's resources, helping you get more performance out of your rig. Whether you're a hardcore gamer or just a casual player, Norton 360 for Gamers helps provide multiple layers of protection for your devices, game accounts, and digital assets. Norton 360 for Gamers also includes features that help protect against cyber threats, including malware and webcam takeovers. If you want to help ensure all the available computing power of your system is allocated to the game for maximum performance, while still helping to maintain maximum protection, then put Norton 360 for Gamers on your team. Listeners of the Tech Guide podcast will receive a 50% discount to a year's subscription of Norton 360 for Gamers by using the promo code TECHGUIDE when they visit au.norton.com forward slash techguide. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good friends at Belkin. Belkin is the company if you need cables, power banks, MagSafe products, earphones. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, I did uh, get a question. I had a few of these questions, and it's, it's about improving your Wi-Fi, but not just in your house. I've had a couple of uh, emails from people looking to improve their Wi-Fi on a larger property. Now, I can understand if you want to get a bit of Wi-Fi out, maybe to a granny flat in the back in your backyard or to areas of your house 
that is entirely possible with mesh Wi-Fi. If you go to like a Netgear, our great sponsors, their, their mesh Wi-Fi covers up to 450 square metres. So it can include that part of your property. I did have one email, though, from a gentleman who has a, a, a farm, and he was asking about whether he could get Wi-Fi to a shed 100 metres from his main the main part of his property. Now, I know mesh Wi-Fi is pretty good, and even the Netgear Orbi Pro can handle about 550 square metres, but that I don't think is going to cut it because you think about it, 550 square metres, so that you're talking maybe 10 metres by 20 metres on either side of the property, and that's what adds up to the square metres. In the instance of having a shed 100 metres away from your main house, I think your only choice is running an Ethernet cable. So from your main house, you'd have to run some kind of connection, a physical connection, to ensure that you've got got a connection, a physical connection to the shed. And then in the shed, you can link that Ethernet cable to a router. And then that, because you've got a piggyback with an Ethernet cable, you can then create a really strong Wi-Fi network in that location. Having with that sort of distance, you could try to maybe have it with range extenders, but where are you going to put the range extenders? They need to be out in the open. It is really hard unless those outside little buildings on the property have their own internet connections, whether they have a connection via 4G, 5G, via satellite. Uh, it is really difficult because they live in a remote area to simply just say, all right, I want another internet connection there because NBN coverage would be one point in your house and the rest you've got to make do. If you want a second NBN connection, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. So often cable is the best solution. You might want to dig some trenches, maybe piggyback to the, the electricity cables that come to, come to that part of your property. But trying to cover Wi-Fi in such a wide area, unfortunately, it's not going to work. And that is our show for this week. We're so thankful you've gotten to this point of the show. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about, you can find it at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. I'm pretty good at getting back to you. You can also click on the Ask Stephen icon on the right side of the homepage, and I will uh, that will create an email and send it to me. We also want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online thanks again for listening we'll be back with another show next week so until then stay safe and stay connected 